Get ready for biblical preaching and teaching. I am Pastor Adam Bigelow. Isn't it time to get unstuck? This is the Reaching Forward Podcast. First Corinthians chapter 10, and if there's one verse that I would like to impress upon you, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. So let's just, let's just get going. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, we're going to be dealing with developing our responses in particular to temptation. One man said, I can resist everything except temptation, right? But I told my wife today she needed to start embracing her mistakes. So she gave me a hug. <laughs> Verses 1 to 13. Developing your responses to history. So we're going to deal in the first 13 verses, or let's say verses 1 to verse 12, about Israel and learning from their mistakes, basically. Learning, uh, giving our response based upon, uh, and Israel, if you read the Bible, one thing you'll see is there's a great victory followed by a great defeat. Like Hezekiah has a great victory over the Assyrians. And then he shows everything to the Babylonians, all of his treasures and everything. And God's like, oh, well, everything you showed them, they're going to take. Uh, Jericho, they had a great uh, victory. And then Achan stole stuff and it made a great defeat right after a great victory. David, great victory and then great defeat. I mean, it goes over and over. So it should get our minds kind of focused that we got to be careful after the victory. It can be just as dangerous as a defeat. But the things that we're learning from verse 1 to verse 12, they're types. What's a type? Well, if you've ever heard of a typewriter, they have uh, they have letters, you know, they're raised metal letters and they they touch ink and then they a type is actually means to an impression or a blow and it makes a mark. And so they would have these letters and it would strike the page. And sometimes if you pressed a bunch of different keys, all these little arms would come out and the typewriter would be useless until you pulled all the letters back. So when you have an illustration of history, the type is the impression that it makes upon you. The impression of history. So let's read about, it's much easier to read about someone else's mistakes than to make them yourself. So, so we can avoid them. Moreover, brethren, verse 1. I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. So a cloud actually followed Israel after they left Egypt. It was a big pillar and it symbolized the divine presence of God. Day it was a cloud, at night it was a pillar of fire. But, and then it said, and in the sea, of course, they went through that Red Sea. And then the Bible says, they were baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. What it was saying is that Israel knew the presence of God. They were symbolically, you know, baptized in uh, the presence, the divine presence. They were baptized symbolically. It's a type, right? They were baptized in that Red Sea experience. They were God's people. And then it said they did eat the same spiritual meat. They ate this stuff called manna. And it said not just physical, but it was a real spiritual lesson. 
that God was taking care of them and did drink the same spiritual drink. They had no water and Moses hit this rock because God told him to. And they had a water fountain out in the middle of the desert and all did drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. So what he's setting up here is these people had a real experience in God. And actually Moses, when he smote that rock, you know that that was symbolic of Christ being smitten on the cross? And the water came out just like our freedom and our salvation came out when Jesus was crucified. You know what Moses got in trouble for with God? He hit the rock the second time. The first time God told him, hit the rock. The second time, if you remember, he said, speak to the rock. And Moses got mad because everyone was accusing him. And he said, you rebels, should we get, what, must I get water out of this rock? And he hit the rock. Well, once Jesus has been crucified, he doesn't need to be crucified a second time. Okay? And Moses, that's why he got crossed up with God. Because he hit the rock the second time. So anyway, that's another lesson. Verse 5. But with many of them. Now this is where we learn our lesson. God was not well pleased. I mean, that's to put it mildly, okay? If, if, if Kim Jong-un is not well pleased with you, the leader of North Korea, then you may be worried, right? This is, this is like Kim Jong-un not being well pleased, right? For they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now it says, now these things were written for our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Now lust is just the desire. You can lust after a donut or pizza, but usually lust has a meaning extended that it's something that you ought not do. Verse seven, neither be ye idolaters as were some of them. And this is really what it's getting at. And an, an idol is anything you put before God. And you say, well, no one has idols today, preacher. Oh, yes. Some are called Chevy. Some are called Tesla. Some are called Charisse. <laughs> some are called Tom. And it's whatever someone puts before God. Some are called PS5. You know, and you know, it, it, it's whatever we put before God. I doubt a donut could be an idol, but you know, I mean, I, that'd be a low idol. If you're going to worship something, a donut's kind of a low threshold, okay? But if I'm going to go to hell, it's going to be for more than a donut, right? But neither be ye idolaters. Don't worship things in front of God, as were some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And they did that right when Moses was getting the Ten Commandments. They started to have a party and when Moses came down, the people had all taken their clothes off. I mean, it's like, you leave and everything's fine and you come back and your kids are just like swinging from the chandeliers at your house. Like, what happened? I've been gone an hour, right? Or maybe the pets have torn things up. Uh, didn't we visit someone that had a baby chipmunk or squirrel? And it, like a raccoon. And they unrolled all the toilet paper like in the bathroom. Well, they did more than that. So the people were just going crazy. And it says, neither let us commit fornication. And fornication 
It's a big word. It's, it's just sex outside of marriage. And you say, well, everybody's doing it. And that's one of the things that everybody, and we'll get that to the end of the chapter, just because everybody's doing it doesn't mean it's right. Just because it's socially accepted, you look at them and they seem to be prospering and getting promotions, it doesn't mean that it's right. And it doesn't mean that God says it's right. And so the Bible said, as some of them committed and fell in one day, three and 20,000. What? What, from a disease? No, from the judgment of God. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. God sent these poisonous serpents among the people, snakes, and they were bitten of them, and they were dying. So Moses said, what do I do? And he said, get this brass pole and put a serpent on it and lift it up. And that also symbolized, a lot of this symbolizes Jesus, right? And lift it up. And if anybody looked at it, then they would live. And it symbolized Jesus Christ. Jesus wasn't a serpent. Yes, Jesus took our sin and became just like a snake or a serpent, something uh, horrible and evil. And, but his, when he lifted him up on that pole, it symbolized what Jesus was going to do on the cross. So this is what it's talking about. And it said, neither murmur ye. So God's not only con- talking about our actions... But our attitude, have you ever done something right with the wrong attitude? Have you ever done the dishes with the wrong attitude? No one else cares, and I'm the only one that's working, and they're just resting. Well, God does care about our attitude. And he said, I don't want to be destroyed washing dishes, God, with the wrong attitude. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured. Now, they had a bad attitude about God, okay? And were destroyed of the destroyer. Whoa, that's pretty rough. Well... Our attitude's important to God. Now, all of these things happen unto them for ensamples, and they are written for our admonition. Thank God that we don't have to go through that. We can just read it and avoid it, right? Upon whom the ends of the world are coming. It's much re- easier to read about someone else going through something, read it in a Reader's Digest, than to go through it yourself. And that's what God would have us do. Read about Israel. Read about their good sides, but also read about their errors and don't commit their errors. Isn't that why we watch YouTube? So we can, we can get that lesson and we say, oh, don't do that, do that, don't do that. Then we can fix our car or our computer or our, you know, mixer. Didn't you used to, you know, so you don't go through the same problems as other people. So uh, my, my wife fixed our mixer and uh, it had this little gear little nylon gear that just wore out and she pulled if you've ever seen one of those mixers it's got this like big like alien head on it looks like the head from alien and you unscrew it and pull it up and it's a big pile of grease it's nasty okay but you have to dig through that and find all the right parts she figured it out i probably would have thrown that thing not very far because it's very heavy but uh she fixed it because she got some instructions and the bible is an instruction manual for our lives really also for our soul for our eternal soul verse 12 wherefore when you see a wherefore see what the wherefore is there for right wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall you know when when you have a victory and things are going well and that's what happened to israel they're like man we're good God will never judge us. I mean, we're just good. I mean, you know, we can just kind of do what we want. 
Have you ever heard someone say this? God understands. Ho, 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 ho. That arrogant spirit is, will get us in trouble, right? Pride goeth before destruction and an haughty spirit right before a fall. That means an arrogant spirit, like, I'm good, you know. And people might not say that, but that kind of that, yeah, I got it. Oh, God doesn't like that. So uh, the Bible says, and if that, if that is our case and has been our case, I know I've, I've had that before. You know, you get a few good roles and you think, man, I must be special. And then you find out you're not so special. <laughs> so verse 13, this is the key verse to the whole chapter, I think. And it's to develop our personal response, develop our response when the temptation comes and knocks on our door. You know that they say opportunity knocks once. Temptation just keeps knocking, right? That's what temptation doesn't go away, right? There hath no temptation taken you. That means to seize you or grab you. And that's what temptation does. Really not because it wants you, because you want it. Pickled pig's feet don't seize me, all right? They oh, I need them. But if you like pickled pig's feet, they'll seize you, right? It's whatever you want. Donuts, fried chicken, other things, it might seize me because I like those things. But other things, I don't. Chicken feet, mm, I'll eat other parts of the chicken and leave the chicken feet for you. And then we'll all be happy, right? There hath no temptation seized you or taken you, but such as is common to man. We all face temptation. Israel faced temptation. Every generation is going to face temptation. But God is faithful. Now, that's the key. Who will not suffer or allow you to be tempted above that ye are able. You know in the parables, they gave talents to different servants. One five and one one and one like two. There's two different accounts, right? But it says, each according to their several ability. So we all have different abilities, and God understands that. And we all have different resistances to COVID. And we all have different resistances to temptation. God knows what each of our levels of resistance are. God knows. It's not all the same. And the Bible says, he will not allow you to be tempted above what you are able. But will with the temptation, this is the good part, if you get into a temptation, and they are coming, okay? But will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Remember when Reverend Love was here and he was preaching and he talked about working at a yacht manufacturer and there was this pretty lady that used to give out snacks and uh you know all the brothers would go and did you hear that illustration all the brothers would go a lot of bible school students worked at this establishment and they would all go talk to this lady she had a door kind of where you could go in near her office and so a lot of brothers would go drink coffee eat her snacks and you know uh and god dealt with him one day what are you, why are you always going in that door? You see, there was another door. <laughs> and so God dealt with his heart. He was a married man and God dealt with his heart and he just started going in the other door. What was he doing? Providing that way of escape. And I, I tell an illustration about when I was in a donut shop and I was a single guy. 
But anyway, so the, the lady, I kind of probably kind of started flirting with the lady, speaking Russian to her, and then she kind of started flirting with me. I'm not sure if it was real uh, overt, but then she said, just wait over there after I got my donut. Not where Katya's sitting, but just like, there was another customer. She goes, she goes, just wait there so that this customer could be served, and then it would just be me and her. And that sounds so innocent, right? It was. It was, I, you know, there was a counter separating us. I had no idea who she was. And I'm standing there, waiting for this other customer to leave. And the Holy Ghost said, what are you doing? Now, I haven't heard God speak to me audibly, but it was pretty close. I mean, it was just that your conscience is like, what are you doing? And I'm holding my donut like a good little doggy, waiting for this lady to be done with the other, other person. So, and she was probably, I don't remember what she looks like. I never went back. And so without conferring with her, I just, well, what, what escape did God make? The door. Sometimes it's just as simple as the door. And I never went back, to my knowledge. I don't know the name of the place, probably couldn't find it. And you see, preacher, but, you know, you, you Christians are prudes. And look, I'm not a prude. But, you know, when a preacher falls or a political figure falls, do you know what the first thing that they say is? All of these people that are commenting, what were they thinking what were they thinking do you know they weren't when you're under temptation you are not thinking you're infatuated have you ever seen someone who's infatuated with something and they have that kind of kooky like oh they're like under in a trance right you're not thinking so when you're in a temptation don't think that you're going to have a rational mind when a donut is placed in front of me i'm not like ooh. 230 calories, 10 grams of saturated fat. No, I'm like, how fast can I get my hand on that and just make sure I can eat it and not get the chocolate all over my lips? That's what I'm thinking. So when you're under temptation, don't think that you're going to have a rational mindset. What do you think when you drive by uh, any place that cooks fried chicken? I'm not thinking. I'm clawing the windows. Don't I do that? My wife says, yep. I claw the windows, why? Because I smell the fried chicken or Burger King cooks and they pipe the smell out. What are you thinking? I'm not thinking about calories. I'm thinking about how quick can I get one of those? Can I use a credit card? You know, whatever. See, when temptation comes our way, we have to recognize you're not going to be all there. And that's why we realize that, wait a second, when temptation comes, we realize, you know, we want it, but it might not be right. God, where's my escape route? And God will make you one. I just want you to know that because you need to know that before you get into it, okay? That God will always, because temptation can take you, but God said it never has to take you out, okay? It never has to destroy you. It never has, because we're all going to face temptations. But God, this is kind of like an epiphany. Anything, you, you know what an epiphany is? Epiphany, the word comes from when the, the, the Magi came, that's where the original epiphany was. So these, these kings came and offered gifts. And so they recognized Jesus as the Messiah. But they were Gentiles, right? They came from a far country. So it was his first manifestation of Jesus to non-Jews, to the Gentiles. But it's come to mean either a divine presence or a divine manifestation, or even what I'm talking about really here is... Um, a sudden 
manifestation or perception of the essential nature or meaning of something. Like the light bulb coming on. Boop. That's an epiphany. You ever see like in Despicable Me, he goes, light bulb. You know, because that you get that light come on, you're like, oh. Well, you see, if you get into a temptation, the light bulb is God is going to show you the exit. That is what, he might not explain to you everything you're going through, but there's going to be an exit. That's your epiphany that God's going to give you. There is an exit. Let's look for it. It might just be as easy as walking out the door. Usually that's the exit, right? It's leaving labeled. Exit, right? And so that's the way to escape. It's, if the lights go off, you can still see it. But there was a man, uh, he said an epiphany, it's not having an epiphany. It's not having a light bulb moment, right? It's what you do with the light bulb moment. There's a lot of people that know a lot of things, but it's what we do with what God gives us that's going to get are the results that we're looking for. And it, if you remember one scripture, if you write it down or, or gain it, that God's always going to have a way out for you that will be able to deal with it. The Bible says bear it. And it might not be so easy to deal with different temptations or different things, but, but God will make sure that he takes you out. God's faithful. That is the best verse of scripture in this whole verse in this whole chapter verse 14 to 33 develop your response and you know if you do it more you get better at it if you do it more you get better at it. develop your response to your environment and he says so basically he's going back to the the israelites and now he's bringing it up to their day wherefore my dearly beloved flee from idolatry and it's interesting. You know how we start habits? Now, you can have bad habits or good habits, but they all revolve around... There's an author named James Clear. He wrote this book called Atomic Habits. And if you think about this, this is how this loop works. And it's why we do everything that we do. Everything that we do. Q-C-U-E. Craving. Response. And reward. Those four things. So you get a cue. Maybe you see a donut with chocolate on it. That's a cue. I'm using that because I like donuts. Chocolate without stale. I just like donuts. And yes, I will eat a stale donut. I will. The cue triggers the brain and recognizes there's an opportunity for a reward right here. For some people, it might be a cigarette doing that. If someone hears cigarettes being packed, like, oh, yeah, I need a cigarette. Or if someone smells fried chicken or smells a certain perfume or sees a pretty girl, that's the cue. So once the cue is there, then the body, the second part of the habit formation is a craving. Now, if you don't like donuts, that's not gonna, there's going to be no cue because a donut doesn't interest you. But if you like something, there's going to be a cue. For, for some, it might just be seeing a donut. And then you begin to want it. And so what happens then? Then is the action phase. Then you respond. Either you say, you know what? I had to work out for two hours. I'm not going to have that donut. But the response might not be to yield to it. The response might be to say, I love that donut. I'm going to have it tomorrow. I'm going to stick it in the freezer, right? And then the reward comes. That's the benefit or the satisfaction from the response. So one of the things that we can do 
if we want to resist temptation, if something is particularly difficult to us, a cue makes it obvious, right? Do the opposite. Make it invisible. You know, disciplined people are disciplined precisely because they don't have to exercise discipline all day long. So how do you... Preacher, well, you like donuts. How do you resist the temptation? We don't buy them. We don't put them in the house. <laughs> Say, well, preacher, that's easy. Right. So I don't have to, like, go... Argh! Because I won't. I will eat them all. A friend brought us over some peanut butter chocolate candies. My wife began to look around for them. Honey... Where are they? I ate all of them. All. Right? She, she kind of looked at me kind of like, really? Yes, all of them. I mean, I even tried to put them away, the last two, right? And then I went and opened it up and I got and ate the last two. Right? So, you know, preacher, you don't have much control. That's why I don't buy donuts. But if you make it invisible, you'll never get that cue, right? Because it's not in your house. And I, I'm talking about donuts, but maybe you can let your mind rove and maybe there's other things that you won't be tempted by them if they're not in your house. And uh, if you get a craving, well, take that craving and turn it around. Make it unattractive. If you're trying to stop having donuts, say, you know what? Uh, I remember last time that I had to, you know, do 200 crunches or walk 10 miles before I could fit in my clothes again after I ate a, 10 donuts, right? The response, instead of making it easy, make it difficult. Say, I'm going to eat that donut, but then I'm going to go and do 200 push-ups, and I'm going to give each of my kids $10. You know, just something, make it difficult. And then the reward, if you don't like the way things turn out, make it unsatisfying. The next time, and this might not be a spiritual thing, say, well, you know what? Instead of it... If, if you can take, because if you can take any one of those things away, you won't repeat the thing. If it's not easy, if it's not satisfying, uh, if you can't see it, and if it's unattractive, if any one of these things fail, you just won't keep doing it. So make it unsatisfying to do negative things, but you know what? Make it satisfying to do positive things, because that's how good habits form. Not just temptations, but any kind of habit. Cue, craving, response, reward. Let's continue. See if I can keep going. Because i got five minutes to do like 15 verses. I speak as to wise men. Judge ye what I say. So he's going to be giving and talking about uh, the uh, meat sacrificed to idols and going to uh, eat at the temples of these foreign, uh, uh, of these pagan gods. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? And that's the, what's called the Eucharist, the bread, the bread and the body. We call it taking communion. You have a wafer and some grape juice. For we, being many, are one bread and one body. For we are all partakers of that one bread. It's symbolic of taking, partaking of Jesus Christ. Behold Israel after the flesh. Are not they which eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? What say I then, that the idol is any fame, or that which is offered in sacrifice to the idols is any fame? Hold on with me, I'll explain this. But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that you should have fellowship with devils. He's saying there's only one God, and we're all partakers with that. He said, 
The idol's nothing. He said, but it's that environment that you go into. So they would have temples and they would have temple prostitutes, basically, that would work at the temple, men and women. And they would sell themselves for a worship fee, right? Something like that. And uh, God said, look, but they would also eat there and they would have, you know, they eat this meat. And God's like, it's not the meat. It's the environment. Just stay away from that because you don't want to have, have you ever been in someone's, um, you go to someone's place and, and uh, it's not like anything's particularly wrong, but the spirit in this is wrong. It's just like, man, I'm just, I don't like, and then you don't know what it's going to lead to, right? Sometimes you're just like, yeah, next time let's meet at a neutral location. We'll go out to eat at a restaurant, right? You never face that. Sometimes with a family and it's hard to avoid it, but you're just like, man, it can go downhill real quick, right? The Bible says, ye cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. And he said, you got to be careful of those environments because they can be slippery slopes. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? Rhetorically, you know, rhetorical questions. They answer themselves. We're not stronger than God. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. I remember when I was a kid, I got an O'Doul's near beer, and my, I think my aunt bought it for me. And so I was drinking it, and I think I showed my mom. I was like eighth grade or something like that, and my mom was not happy with me. So preacher, but it wasn't a real beer. There's no alcohol in it. Well, it wasn't expedient, right? Because especially if someone's an alcoholic or a kid knows that, look, if you get that, then it won't be long. You've already got the taste. So my mom knew that wasn't very good for me to be involved in. So Paul was saying, you know, it's lawful for me. There's things I can do, but it doesn't really work out well for others. And this is talking about idols and sacrificing, the, eating the meat and attending their fellowship. You know, it's probably not good for them. And, you know, as Christians, we think about other people, not just ourselves. The Bible said, let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. Whatever is sold in the meat market, the shambles, that eat, asking no question for conscience sake. If you go to Publix or Aldi, was this sacrifice to all the, to the devils? No, just get the chicken, okay? Just buy the chicken quarters, right? It says, asking no question for conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If any of them that believe not, not Christians, bid you to go to a feast, and ye be disposed to go, whatsoever is set before you, eat, asking no question for conscience sake. But if any man say unto you, this, hey, that, that prime rib, it's sacrificed and offered uh, to the idols. Eat not for his sake that showed it, and for the conscience sake, and for conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof. Do it for their sake, because otherwise they'll think Christians are involved in stuff that they ought not to be involved in. And they don't understand that idols aren't real because they're real to some people. And so we, want, we don't want them to get the wrong idea that we're participating in worship that's a different thing. Conscience, I say, not thine own, but of the other. For why is my liberty judged of another man's conscience? Preach, you want a near beer? No. <laughs> root beer? No, not even, I don't even like root beer. I don't, like, I don't drink sodas right now. For if I by grace be a partaker, why am I evil spoken of for that which I give thanks? Look, by the grace of God, I can eat any meat and I want, that I want, but 
a lie gets around town before the truth gets his pants on, right? And so Paul said, don't even get yourself into those situations, right? Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, I like this. Do all to the glory of God. And I'm going to finish kind of with that. Give none offense neither to the Jews nor to the Gentiles nor to the church of God, even as I please all men in all things, not seeking mine own profit, but the profit of many that they may be saved. Sorry, I went over like two minutes. Let me just, verse 31. If you're wondering whether you should do something, whether you should click on that link, whether you should go to that person's house, whether you should hang out with such and such, Philipp, uh, Philippians, 1 Corinthians 10 and 31. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Can it be for the glory of God? And some things, they're just not the glory of God. You know, even... So we were going to go and Brother Spencer was going to go with me and uh, we were going to go do a recon on where we were soul winning. And then I realized, duh, that would leave my wife and Brother Patterson here. I didn't explain that, but then I said, oh, Brother Spencer, you hang out here and I'll go. Why? Because I wanted to do it to the glory of God. Would anything happen? No. I explicitly trust Brother Patterson and, and uh, my wife. It was not about that. But what other people say? You know, it's, it's about our testimony. And I live that way. I want to live my life. And brethren, if you do that, it's a safety zone. And it's not being like, oh, that's being over-Christian. No, that's what the Bible says. If we do it to the glory of God, we're going to have a very rewarding, peaceful life. I, I want a peaceful life. The one thing I enjoy more and more is the peace of God. You can't beat the peace of God a clean, clear conscience. It makes everything better, even donuts with chocolate. Amen. Amen. At this time, Brother David, you dismiss us in prayer. God bless you all. Verse 13 and verse 31, two key verses in uh, developing our responses. Amen. God bless you, Brother David. Oh, dear Lord, thank you for bringing us here on this beautiful Tuesday evening to, to worship and listen to your wisdom as pastor preached and taught your word. Dear Jesus, please keep your hand on us as we return back to our homes till we return back to church this Thursday. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.